If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! For the 200th time! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 200 of the Yapping Yankees podcast. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on October 29th, 2023. During the World Series, no less, if only our freaking team was in it, could you imagine being in the middle of a Yankees World Series for the Yapping Yankees Bicentennial? Could you imagine? If only 2023 wasn't the year of not being able to have literally any nice things, nice double negative there, Mike, but let's turn it into a positive, damn it, because today is a good day, my friends. We have done it. Not just me. I mean... I am the host, but a show isn't quite a show without its fans. And whether you're a regular or not, if you're listening to this at this very moment, you qualify. You fall under the category of people that I appreciate to the ends of the earth because you have taken as little as just at least a few seconds and dedicated it to giving even a half a damn about what I have to say. And for that... (laughs) I love you. I really, really do. Even if you're listening because you're not a fan of mine, you know what? You are still here. And believe it or not, I still appreciate the hell out of it because you could still be doing literally anything else with your time, but you're here spending it with me, even if just in passing. And in case you do happen to be asking, what's the big deal about that, Mike? Who cares? Well, I spoke a couple episodes ago couple of weeks ago about why that's such an important thing, especially in today's world with the remarkably limited attention spans that so many of us are victims to, especially us young people, myself included at times, guilty as charged. Even I have to admit, instant gratification, videos and many other forms of content continuing to shorten day by day, YouTube and Instagram reels, TikToks, all examples of that content just getting shorter and shorter to match Humanity's overall shorter attention spans as time goes along. Long-form things like this have become less and less interesting to lots of people out there. They just don't have what it takes to make it through the whole thing, or even a fraction of the whole thing. And it's unfortunate, but (laughs) that's the way it is. That's the age that we're living in right now, in the technological era. And that's why I appreciate and highly value all all of you here, even more so than I already do without even saying this reason too, but this reason, along with the one I just gave about shorter form content, the fact of how many more options there are out there for podcasts, Yankees or otherwise. I'm aware of all the competition and the choices that there are out there. There are a lot of different options out there to listen to. Again, Yankees or anything, it doesn't matter, but you're here with me, and it means the world to me. Kicking back, 
relaxing, and taking in my endless yapping as we have our chats here nearly every Sunday. Whether you're in agreement with what I'm saying and can't get enough of it, or yelling at whatever device you're listening to me on, calling me a complete moron who doesn't know which end is up, or somewhere in between, again, you are here, regardless. As am I still, after over four years and 200 episodes now. And that is all around surreal. It's a long time, guys. It's a hell of a milestone. Even I have to say that I do got to give myself a little pat on the back right now. Just give me a second. It's got to happen. Right? There you go. It's got to happen. And to especially those who have been here since the beginning of it, after all this time, my God, there aren't any words for you. There really aren't. And we have seen it all together. Think of all the crap that has happened in the last four to four and a half years, guys. We have seen it all. The good times, the bad times, the chaos, the fun, the rants, <laughs> the celebrations, the successes, the many heartbreaks and eliminations, advances, scandals, injuries, history making, just about anything and everything that could take place has taken place these last almost four and a half years and 200 episodes worth of time. Anything and everything you could think of. From 2019 and May or June all the way to now, just sit there and really think for a second just how much has happened in that window of time. We have covered it all here on Yapping Yankees. All of it. It really is amazing when you think about it. A lot of people make their own content fizzle out after a little while. We have been through a lot and have discussed and yapped about a lot. And regardless of where or when you hopped aboard the Yapping Yankees Express train along that way, beyond words, again, I cannot say it enough. Every week, too, yeah, but especially today, I am forever appreciative, my friends. Forever appreciative. Eternally. And I'm going to be saying that a lot today, as I already have many other weeks, because I truly mean it. I truly, truly mean it. It's coming straight from my heart. And it comes from there every week, but especially on historic days like today for me. And on days like today, historic milestone days for Yapping Yankees, we've had it before. We had it for episode 50. We had it for episode 100. We even had it for episode 150. And here we are with 200. But what I usually always do on days like this is I reflect on the beginning from when it all started. Everything has a beginning to it. A genesis. And once upon a time, there was a graduating 22-year-old college student in his final semester in the spring of 2019 named Mike Scudero. And you may know him. We're listening to you, you dope. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> God, I'm dumb. Anyway, four score and almost four and a half years ago. All right, I gotta stop. <laughs> So, four and a half years ago, give or take, a little bit less than that, I was graduating my last semester at where I went to school, which was Five Towns College here on Long Island, which is where I live, of course. I'm perfectly comfortable with people knowing that. You don't know where on Long Island, and Long Island is a damn big place, so good luck looking for me, unless you've already been by my house. But <laughs> there are some people, have some friends out there who I've met in person, they do know. But anyway, I went to Five Towns College for mass communications broadcasting. Because the dream was to get into radio. 
And in my last semester, after a vastly successful four-year stay there, I decided that even if I do get into the industry after graduation, I wanted to stay sharp and still come out with content of my own. Because when I was in school, I was the assistant manager of the school's radio station for three out of the four years that I was there. The first year being the only one that I wasn't. I commentated the school's basketball games. I had two radio shows of my own at the station while being the assistant manager for it. And all of that while going to class in the whole nine yards. So I was a busy boy. So after I was done, whether or not there was going to be a little bit of an intermission between getting my first radio job and graduation, I wanted to make sure that I was still keeping my broadcasting skills sharp and I was still coming out with my own content. So I thought, I'm going to start a podcast about the thing that I love to talk about the most in the entire world, even though they provide me with a great deal of pain, the New York Yankees. And that's exactly what I did. I started planning for it back in January or February of 2019, just throwing around some loose ideas and brainstorming about certain aspects of the show, like segments and what am I going to talk about and when and how am I going to put it all together, just the ins and outs and the workings of the show. And I was really patient about it because I had a lot to attend to, obviously, in my last semester of college as well, so it wasn't the only thing I thought about. I had a lot to do and prepare for, but by the time it ended, the semester being... I was more than ready to launch this thing. I gave myself a couple of weeks to breathe, understandably so, after graduation, after all the hard work I had put in for nearly a half a decade in school. And then when I was ready, at some point, either in late May or early June, I'd say early to mid-June, I don't even remember the exact date, I'd have to go back and look if I wanted to get the exact date, but I launched episode one at that point. Maybe about a month prior to the 2019 season being about halfway over, So I covered most of the 2019 season, and obviously from there, the rest is history. My God, we have been through it all, like I said before. I went through it vaguely, but how about we go through some of the events for the Yankees that (laughs) transpired since I started yapping Yankees. It has all gone on. 2019, the 103-win season. The epic playoff run up to the oh-so-painful elimination after DJ LeMahieu's clutch Could have been historic home run if the series continued and the Yankees then won, but top of the ninth, two-run blast in Houston. Then obviously shortly after that, baseball again decided to thrust a knife into my heart and twist it about five times in each direction and see the Yankees eliminated. Then the 2019 offseason brought about a lot of crap as well. You had the revelation that the Astros cheated a couple years prior, but it also brought about some good things. Because then obviously the Yankees would also come to sign Garrett Cole as their ace, who is still here, of course, and is probably preparing to win the first Cy Young of his entire career that he has more than earned after the way he pitched this year in an otherwise terrible season. So that happened. 2020, (laughs) the entire adventure of playing baseball amidst that screwed up season thanks to COVID. So we got to go through every single step of that and the painful negotiations or lack thereof between the owners and the Players Association trying to figure out how the hell to get baseball on the field that year. Not having any fans and all that crap and the Yankees going into the first round against the Tampa Bay Rays and having a crazy series where they played in San Diego because they played at neutral venues and oh my god, chaos. Chaos. That seems like another lifetime ago, doesn't it? It's crazy. And then 2021 came around, 
And at that point, it came to extending DJ, making sure he stuck around, and the Yankees' offense taking a real dip. Just really underperforming for most of the year. It was absolutely crazy. Judge and Stanton both staying healthy and putting on a powerhouse to both of them, so that was nice. Getting Anthony Rizzo at the deadline, taking until the last day of the season to clinch the playoffs, game 162, when Gio Urshela sacrificed his body by catching that foul ball, if you remember. Oh, my goodness. Going through it all. I'm probably missing a lot, too. Just so much crap. So many things happened. And then, obviously, the beyond embarrassment in the wild card game in Boston commenced after that. 2022, unbelievable offensive season and season overall for the first half. Then the epic collapse that took place in the second half after a head-scratching deadline. All the injuries all throughout that we don't even have to talk about. Too many to even recount, (laughs) honestly. Bringing Montas over, that disaster that took place as a result of that. Trading Montgomery for Harrison Bader. Obviously, the previous statement made by Brian Cashman saying that they didn't really believe that Montgomery fit anywhere into the playoff rotation. And then, of course, we see what he has mostly done throughout the playoffs this year, even into the World Series with the Texas Rangers, making us all want to nosedive all of our roofs of our homes. You also have the fact that they had the controversial trade with the Minnesota Twins, acquiring IKF and Josh Donaldson, which I, on record, disliked from day one. So I had to deal with that and all the crap coming from that, the Aaron Hicks saga, the epic collapse of the second half of 2022, miraculously making it past the Guardians in the playoffs, but then getting absolutely schlacked by the Houston Astros and the ALCS, not even having a freaking chance, to be honest, and painfully so. And then, of course, this year being the ultimate heartbreaker, winning 82 games and just completely mortifying everybody in what was a complete embarrassment, especially considering payroll and resources available to the Yankees and the fact that the vast majority of the American League was completely ripe for the taking and they just chose not to do a damn thing with it. So, we've been through a lot. (laughs) And also, obviously, the whole saga and the, the drama about bringing Judge back. Oh, my God. Oh my god, it's just more than you can even bother to recount, like I said, just too much happened. I mean, yeah, a lot's going to happen in general when that much time passes, but oh my goodness. Did a lot happen or what? Did I pick a good time to start a podcast or what? (laughs) My god, all the things that have happened since May or June of 19. Wowie, wow, wow, wow. (laughs) It's amazing looking back on it. But I couldn't be more grateful and happier that I have this show. I've always spoken about how this microphone in front of me acts as a form of therapy for whenever they are emotionally impaling me. And it acts as a symbol of joy whenever good things are happening. And I can come on here and be the exciting yapper that I am to the point where you can't shut me up. You usually can't shut me up either way, because even when I'm miserable, probably can't even shut me up even more because I'm too busy ranting and screaming my head off. So upon realization, I guess both ways, you're stuck with me for a while each week. (laughs) I mean, for crying out loud, look at the episode lengths every week. So, but regardless of whether I'm happy, sad, pissed, joyful, whatever the emotion may be, regardless of what it is every single week, I'm glad that I am able to come onto this microphone 
and tape this show and share it with the rest of you and enjoy it all together. I have a nice, tightly knit, loving, loyal, and intelligent listenership, which I don't know what I did to deserve that necessarily, but I am beyond lucky to have each and every one of you out there. Some of you tick me off a little bit with your nonsensical opinions, but hey, we've all been wrong before. I have my crap opinions too. I have my crap takes. I'm not always right. No one is always right. It's fine. That's why we're here to talk, speculate, hit on things as they happen, the whole nine yards. And I have a blast doing it. I hope you have a blast listening and interacting via the social media segment that I have on Twitter each week. And if you're not on Twitter, then get on there and follow me at Mike Scudero or X, whatever the hell it's called nowadays. Twitter's having a bit of an identity crisis these days. But regardless, get on there and interact. Go on the social media segment so you can have your voice heard. I read out everyone's handle, the responses that I read. I give your handle a shout out so that people can hear it and maybe go over to the tweet and find you and follow you as well. So it goes back and forth. There's a little give and take. I make you an offer you can't refuse here. You understand? That's how it goes. All right, let's take a break from our intermission of the Godfather impressions and steer this boat back on course. What do you say? So, speaking of the social media segment, I have got an adventurous show ahead, as if the first 15 to 20 minutes of the show have not been adventurous enough for you. We have got a lot to talk about today. So, along with celebrating episode 200, of course, we have got a surprise that I have for all of you in the social media segment. Stay tuned for what it is. I'm going to reveal it after I'm done talking about the playoffs coming up. But I do have an update on the playoffs. You will remember that in the beginning of the episode, I spoke about the fact that we are in the middle of the World Series, as I said we would be a couple of weeks ago when we last spoke. And I did have to take off last week again because I spent the entire day with my cousin, which was a lot of fun. Don't get to see each other too often, so I definitely had to take the week off for that. Family is important, people. Always remember that. So I had a blast with that last Sunday, and here I am back at you today for episode 200. But in that time, obviously, a lot of time passed. A lot has happened in the baseball world. Again, it may be the Yankees offseason, but it is not the offseason for everybody. It is the offseason for most, though, because we are in the World Series. So all but two teams are in the offseason now. Only two left being the Rangers who, if you recall, I did predict would defeat the Astros, but I did say it would be in six. So it took an extra game, but I still got the team right. Game count wrong, team right. So I'm glad about that. Astros biting the dust. That was really exciting. Always love to see that. Obviously, as a Yankee fan, goes without saying, that was a really wild series because of the fact that, well, the road team won every single game. (laughs) Really bizarre. Really bizarre. We know that... As of the last time we spoke, the ALCS was just beginning, and it was the first game, and I was thinking the Rangers were going to win it, and they did as a matter of fact. The Astros were kept dead quiet. Rangers won that game 2-0, and Montgomery went out there and pitched another terrific game, again adding to the pain of previously made Yankees statements that he really does not belong in the postseason rotation, and he's out here doing this this year. Just to rub some salt in the wound, why not, right? Then Game 2 comes around, and it's made a bit more interesting because the Rangers did jump out in front 4 nothing right away. So that was a really strong statement to start with, but the Astros started to creep in a little bit after it was 5-1, to one, scoring one in the 4th, scoring one in the 6th, and the 8th. So it was 5-4 at the end, but the Rangers were able to seal the deal. 
So winning 5-4 put them up 2-0 in the series, coming back to Texas, so they're feeling really good. I, for one, did not think the series was over yet by any means, because anything is possible, especially, unfortunately, when the situation involves the Astros. And it was good that I said that, because the next three games would prove me exactly correct. Wednesday, while it was a slog back and forth for a while, and yeah, the Astros jumped out 5-0 in the second, third, and fourth innings at first, the Rangers crept back in a little bit. It was 7-4, then it was 8-4, then 8-5, so it was within three runs. They tried to make any rally they could, but they could not, and it's especially difficult when your veteran first ballot Hall of Famer returns from injury to make his first postseason start in Max Scherzer, and he goes out there and he craps the bed. Certainly does not help anything and does not bode him well for wanting to return going forward because he is looking awfully cooked, guys, if I have to be really honest with you. Obviously, he's still Max Scherzer. you still got to have the most, the utmost respect for him because obviously he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the better pitchers of our time. But here at the end of his career, he is uh, between... The lack of health constantly being hurt and then not coming back, especially on some of the biggest stages and still just doing just a bad job. He just did not get the job done in this game. Went four innings, allowed five runs. It's not good, man. So kind of put the the Rangers down early. Put them in a hole really early in this game. And they tried to come back. They stood, They did score five, but it was just too much. So no good in game three. Game four was just... an absolute murder. The Astros winning 10-3 on the road. So then it was tied up at 2 before you knew it. And then Game 5, which really looked like it was going to go to the Rangers, which was... I just wish I could say I was surprised. But whenever this sort of thing seems to happen for the Astros, it just always seems to be Jose Altuve right in the middle of it. Every single freaking time. Every time. It's just funny how that happens. So, the Rangers were winning 4-2 to in the ninth inning. Looked like it was more or less a done deal. Well, it wasn't. Because Jose Leclerc, who has otherwise not been bad at all, comes in after having already pitched part of the eighth inning and has to face Altuve after a while. And there's a lot more that goes into this. There was a dispute between the two teams because... Adolis Garcia was hit by a pitch, and the benches cleared, and that had Jose Leclerc spending a lot more time in the dugout than he probably would have liked. Maybe it iced him a bit, who knows. But the ninth inning started off badly, and before you knew it, Jose Altuve came up with two runners on and hits a go-ahead three-run homer to put the Astros up 5-4 after it was looking like a done deal for the Rangers to go up 3-2 heading back to Houston. And that is not what happened. The Astros took the lead, and secured the W. And Montgomery pitched in this game too. Didn't necessarily have his best, but still went five and a third, only allowing two runs. So it wasn't a brutal start. <laughs> just stinks. So Leclerc, after spending a lot of time in the dugout and just really his own worst enemy in the ninth inning, obviously Altuve comes up. He can't help himself in these clutch moments as he unfortunately just continues to cement himself as being an all-time postseason player, which is painful as a Yankee fan, but got to acknowledge it. The more hate this guy gets and the more big spots he's put into in the playoffs, he is always right in the middle of the Astros' success every time. Anytime you hear about something big happening for the Astros in the playoffs, any single time you hear about it, 
Say, who was it? You don't even have to ask the question. It was Jose Altuve that did it. <laughs> and it wasn't the only home run he hit off LeClerc in this series either. Uh, so the Astros making a big statement, especially after the benches clearing stuff, and taking the lead in the ninth inning to go up 3-2 to two in the series, heading back to Houston. Now, the series still wasn't over at this point because... <laughs> We spoke about this a great deal and how it continued into the playoffs as well, even in the Twins series a little bit, a little bit, and the start of this series as well. We spoke about it. I even tweeted about it in live time during the end of this series as well, because obviously I missed last Sunday with the Yappin Yankees, but I was talking about it. This was a sub-500 team, believe it or not, at home this year, the Houston Astros, which runs in complete contrast to how they were at Minute Maid Park in basically every single season in the recent past. But this year, for whatever reason, they were hot garbage at home. And this followed them strongly into the playoffs and was shown even more so in games six and seven. Up three to two, coming back home, you should be able to seal the deal. And that actually didn't even happen in the NLCS either, but we'll get to that in a second. But they went back to Houston... And it still wasn't over because of how garbage they are at home. I was not counting the Rangers out yet. I was saying it wasn't looking good for them because it wasn't factually looking pretty bad, especially after that kind of a blown game in game five. That would deflate almost anybody. But they didn't let it get to them because they came out in game six last Sunday in Houston. And most of the game was very close scoring. I mean, after the sixth inning, it was three to two. It was really close. But then in the eighth and ninth innings, the Rangers just absolutely piled on, piled on. In the eighth inning, Mitch Garver hit a RBI double, and then in the top of the ninth, Corey Seager, with the bases loaded, was hit by a pitch, and then after that up 5-2, to two, I think it's safe to say that Adolis Garcia got his revenge. <laughs> he hit a grand slam to make it 9-2, to two, and that was the final. So 9-2 Rangers victory in Game 6, and it all comes down to Game 7. I had the Rangers winning in 6 again, but hey, takes one more game, that's fine. As long as it's still the right team, I am good. It's always awesome to hit on both, game count and team, but you know what, if I can only hit on team, then fine. But even this game, the Rangers, all over it. All over it. And a lot of it was, again... The man who has made a hell of a name for himself in this postseason, Adolis Garcia. After the bench is clearing, after the Grand Slam the day prior, it doesn't matter. He still wasn't done yet. I mean, they got to it right away. Top of the first inning, Corey Seager, solo shot, a bomb to right center. That made it one nothing. Adolis Garcia, RBI single. Then Mitch Garver, RBI single. Before you knew it, top of the first, already up by three. And it was comforting because they had Max Scherzer pitching with how he's looked. Got to give the guys as much run support as you can. So that had everyone who was rooting for the Rangers, including myself, feeling really good. Scherzer still did not look great. Final line on the night was two and two-thirds, allowing four hits and still two runs. Not great. Walking two guys as well. So not great. So it's good that he, that they put up those runs for him. But then they just they kept on adding, it seemed like, every time the Astros hit back. Because even in the bottom of the first, the bottom half of the inning, Jose Abreu got an RBI single, so it was 3-1. to one. And then top of the third, Adolis Garcia hits a solo shot. <laughs> That's funny. It was 4-1. to one. 
Then the Astros hit back again. Bottom of the third, solo shot by Bregman. Top of the fourth right after that, Evan Carter. Two-run double. Adolis Garcia, two-run single. Again, he just keeps on going. Top of the sixth, Nathaniel Lowe. Two-run shot. It's 10-2 at this point. Then Jordan Alvarez, RBI single, 10-3. Top of the eighth, Adolis Garcia. <laughs> solo shot. Makes it 11-3. And then off Jose Leclerc again. For no reason at all. Why not? Jose Altuve, solo shot with the Astros down astronomically. 11-4, and that was the final. Rangers don't give up. Astros' crap home field play continues. The Rangers pull it out, being down 3-2 heading to Houston. Move on to the World Series for the first time since 2011 against the Cardinals. And obviously the Rangers have never won. So a lot of people are rooting for them for that fact. They would like to see them get rid of the ghosts of the past and finally have a World Series victory. Obviously, the Yankees have been victims of the Rangers in the past for one of their prior pennants, the one being in 2010 in the ALCS, of course. But here they find themselves again for the first time since 2011 back in the World Series. And that's been uh, off to a pretty crazy start itself as of now. And their opponent, the one that has shocked me more than any team in the postseason up to this point, I got my NLCS prediction wrong. I had the Phillies in six. It ended up being D-backs in seven, guys. And the Phillies were looking really damn good to start it off, I gotta tell you. At Citizens Bank Park, first game, jumped out 4 nothing after three innings. They ended up sealing the deal, won 5-3. The second game, they won 10 nothing. So an absolute murder on Tuesday the 17th in Game 2. Traveling day after that, of course. Then... In Arizona, when they went there for 3, 4, and 5, it was a different outcome in 3 and 4 especially. The Phillies kept really quiet, limited to only one run on the whole day. That came in the top of the 7th with Bryce Harper scoring on a wild pitch. That was it. So the Phillies were winning one nothing late because of that, but then the D-backs hit back. Lourdes Goriel Jr., RBI double to tie the game, and then Cattell Marte, who I love and has been an unbelievable player in this postseason. As a matter of fact, won the MVP for this series against the Phillies. Walked it off in the ninth inning, and the Diamondbacks win game three. So they get a game on their side, which is very good for them because they had to. Game four, chaos. After five innings, it's two to two. Then the Phillies jump out four to two in the sixth inning. Alec Bohm gets a single, and then Emmanuel Rivera makes an error down at third base, which helps things along. Phillies are up 4-2. They add another on a sacrifice fly by Trey Turner in the top of the seventh, making 5-2. And then the D-backs start to creep back a little bit. Christian Walker, a walk with the bases loaded, made it 5-3. And then the bottom of the eighth, Alec Thomas, game-tying two-run shot, 5-5. And then after that, Moreno, who has just been awesome, RBI single, And again, late game heroics for the Diamondbacks in a game that it was really looking like the Phillies were going to win and really take a convincing 3-1 series lead on the road. D-backs find a way, man, tying the series at two. Fortunately for the Phillies, though, they were able to get back out ahead of it and get a pretty convincing victory in Arizona, winning 6-1. 
was looking really good. Zach Wheeler put them back on course, pitching a nice game. Bryson Stott, RBI single top of the first. And after an error by Cattell Marte, a bunch of base stealing going on. Bryce Harper steals home on it. Top of the sixth. Kyle Schwarber, solo shot, made it 3-0. Bryce Harper, solo shot, made it (sighs) 4-0. Really painful to see Bryce Harper do as well as he had done in this, should use past tense because they're out now, but had done in the postseason up to this point because, uh, well, we don't have to talk about that. Bryce used to talk about, you know, potentially becoming a Yankee and a lot of Yankee fans wanting him. Regardless of the scenario and what, could have played out, what didn't play out, what could have never played out, whatever it may be. Um, Still painful to see because what could have been, but regardless, still awesome to see him go insane in this postseason. Alec Thomas was the only run for the D-backs in this game, hitting a solo shot in the bottom of the seventh. But then right after that, the Phillies hit back in the top of the eighth just to make sure the D-backs did not creep back again. Two-run shot by Real Muto, and 6-1 to was the final. And I was saying, okay, even if they blew... The middle game of the home stretch for the D-backs in Game 4, they're still up 3-2, and they got two chances at home. So, I guess it's a done deal, win Game 6, and I had said they could possibly finish it in 5, but I stuck with my Game 6 prediction, so Phillies in 6, so I was feeling good at this point. But my God, did the complete opposite happen. My goodness. The Phillies in Game 6. Played as if they just did not feel like winning. (laughs) I don't really know how else to put it. They just did not seem to care very much. D-backs just took complete control over Aaron Nola and the rest of the Phillies pitchers. But Tommy Pham, solo shot, top of the second. Lourdes Goriel, solo shot. Evan Longoria, RBI double. Can't believe he's still around. And then the bottom of the second, the one and only run the Phillies scored was an RBI single by Brandon Marsh. I was saying, okay, maybe they'll come back. But then the D-backs just... Hit back after that. Top of the fifth, Cattell Marte, RBI triple on a ball that trickled weirdly in the outfield. And then top of the seventh, Marte again. RBI single, so he really made his stamp on this game. And the Phillies did nothing to really battle back, leaving a lot of traffic on the bases, a lot of blown opportunities. I feel like I was watching the Yankees, which is not pleasant. So I feel for you, Phillies fans, watching that game. That's what it's like to watch the Yankees on a regular basis, what the Phillies offense did in game six. And then seven, just the ultimate shock. Shocked absolutely speechless again by the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Phillies at home, game seven, second chance after a really bad game six. Ranger Suarez on the mound. What could possibly go wrong? Well, a lot. Top of the first, Christian Walker, RBI RBI ground out. Bottom of the second, seemed like the Phillies were hitting back and they were going to get it going. Alec Bohm, solo shot, big home run. Bottom of the fourth, Bryson Stott, RBI double, and they actually have a 2-1 lead at this point. But then, top of the fifth, started to come apart. Corbin Carroll, RBI single. Gabriel Moreno, RBI single. (sighs) Crazy. Up 3-2. And they never looked back, guys. And they even added on an extra in the top of the seventh. Corbin Carroll, sack fly. Four to two. And the Phillies did really nothing. They had five hits on the whole night. And two of them being, you know, the two runs scoring. With a solo shot with Bohm and the RBI double by Stott. Otherwise, just three hits on the night. Other than those two. So two games in which the Phillies were at home. It seemed like it was right 
in their hands, in the palm of their hands, and they just let it completely slip away. And the Diamondbacks, after already shocking everybody by just blowing past the Brewers, blowing past the Dodgers, and now they defeat the Phillies. Down 3-2, to two, hitting the road again in the NLCS. What a fairy tale story this has been. And the playoffs, everybody likes to talk about, it's a crapshoot, it's a crapshoot. It could be either way, honestly. I mean, the D-backs snuck in, barely, third wild card, winning 84 games. And now for the first time since the bone-crushing defeat that the Yankees took against them in 2001 in the World Series after 9-11, for the first time since then, they have won a pennant and find themselves in the World Series against the Texas Rangers. Unfreaking real I do know that you can only take the regular season as evidence only so much when it comes to the playoffs because the regular season is just the path to the playoffs and everything is wiped clean, clean slate going into the playoffs. But it is still somewhat of an indication how the team is because it's a 162 game span worth of evidence of how a team really is. So you still take it into consideration and say, my God, 84 wins and teams in the World Series, especially considering the teams it beat. And you just say to yourself, Frank Barone, that's your cue. Holy crap! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy, crazy what the Diamondbacks have done. Doubted them in every round. I plead guilty to that. But really, who could have predicted this? Crazy. Crazy. So that's where you could really say, it's a crapshoot. All you gotta do is just get in and get hot. But then also... You have plenty of times where the best team does get there and they win. It happens a lot. So it's just, it depends. The playoffs isn't anything in particular. It just depends on the year. Sometimes even a team that barely gets in, doesn't even win 85 games, especially in this format, gets in and does their thing. They get hot at the right time and they make it all the way to the end. And other times, the team who most deserves to be there gets there. So to all the people so quick to label the postseason something in particular, to all the people whining about changing the format because they don't like how it turned out. Let's stop labeling and thinking of the postseason just as one thing. Just anything can happen. Anything. It can be a crapshoot or it cannot be. It depends on the year and what happens. It just depends. So, that's that. Diamondbacks in the World Series with the Texas Rangers. Never predicted it. I thought it was going to be Braves against <laughs> probably the Astros. <laughs> Rematch of 21, I guess. But neither went. And along the way, I adjusted and made my my newer predictions based on who was in each round, based off the results of the prior round. But before this all started, I didn't get either team right. The ones that I had before the playoffs began, totally different. Crazy stuff, guys. Crazy. And then just on Friday, a couple of days ago, the World Series began after the Championship Series chaos, after both series went seven games. That's what we like. The World Series began on Friday, and it was a lot of chaos. Crazy stuff. The Rangers did jump out in the first inning 2-0, but then the D-backs hitting back in the top of the third and scoring three on a two-run triple by Corbin Carroll, who is going to win the Rookie of the Year in the National League this year. And then Cattell Marte, on a fielder's choice, scored Carroll. It was 3-2. to two. 
D-backs at that point, but then the Rangers tied it back up on a bases loaded walk by Mitch Garver. D-backs jumped back out in front. A lot of back and forth. Tommy Pham solo shot made it 4-3. And then in the top of the fifth, Cattell Marte put the fifth run on the board with his sixth double of the playoffs. Made it 5-3. And then the chaos began later on in the game. Nothing really happened from that point, scoring-wise, until the ninth inning where Corey Seager tied the game at two on a massive two-run shot in the bottom of the ninth. Talk about drama. And then Adolis Garcia, who has made his presence known more than just about anybody in this postseason, especially in the ALCS, where it seemed like the Astros woke a massive sleeping giant. Well, that continued here because... A walk-off home run was hit in the bottom of the 11th. A laser oppo taco. And that gave the Rangers a walk-off in the first game of the World Series. Absolute chaos in Arlington. And then you had game two yesterday, and the complete opposite happened. Because there really was no chaos. It was just an absolute beatdown. The D-backs won 9-1 in Texas, and they had 16 hits on the night and scored 9. They didn't score any until the top of the 4th, and they scored 2, but then 7th inning they scored 2, 8th inning 3, ninth inning 2, 7 runs in the last 3 innings alone, and the Rangers didn't have much to answer for it. I mean, <laughs> poor Montgomery went out there and did the best he could. At the end of his start, he fell apart a little bit allowing two runs in the top of the seventh before having to be taken out. But before that, leading into the seventh inning, he had only allowed two runs. So before that, he really didn't have as bad a start as the as the final line for him perhaps makes it look. But the Rangers' offense just could not muster anything up. Merrill Kelly going out there, who has been really a phenomenal weapon for the D-backs in the postseason. Amazing. Seven innings of one-run ball, only three hits allowed. The Rangers totaling for only four hits on the whole night. Just an absolute beatdown. And here we are in the intermission, the traveling day here on Sunday, waiting for Game 3 tomorrow in Arizona. World Series tied up at one, guys. Amazing action so far. Crazy. I just don't even know what to say about the Diamondbacks anymore, as if I haven't already said that enough. Absolutely crazy. Wild stuff. I do have to say, though, that I do have the Rangers winning this series, though. So I mentioned doubting the Diamondbacks before and how crazy it's turned out to be. I've been right plenty in this postseason. I've been wrong plenty. But, like a lot of people have, because there's been a lot of unexpected things happening. But I do have the Rangers winning this series in either six or seven. I do. So I'll say six. I've been putting a lot of six predictions out there. But Rangers in six here. Going out on a limb, and that's my prediction. And that's where we're at now, guys. One-to-one one in the World Series. That's how the postseason has gone. Covered the whole thing. Maybe not every single scoring play, but for the most part, we have gone through it all because I still have a very good time watching the playoffs. Even if I would have an infinitely better time if the Yankees were in it, obviously. That goes without saying. But still love watching it. And by the next time we talk, the World Series will be over because even if it goes the max of seven games, the longest it could go is Saturday, November 4th. That would be Game 7 if necessary. So that's where we're at, guys. And by the time we speak again next Sunday for Episode 201, it'll be full on the offseason, not just for the Yankees or many others, but for everyone. And that's where the chaos could really begin. But that is where we're at for the postseason right now. 
in the middle of the World Series. And like I said at the beginning of the show, could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine what it would be like for the Yankees to have had the 2023 that many of us were hoping for and very much anticipated to the point where they could have won their first pennant since 2009 and have been in the World Series amidst me celebrating my 200th episode. Could you imagine? The thought of it just makes me angry because I'm I'm livid that it's not a reality. <laughs> but could you just imagine? My mind wanders. You'll have to excuse me. But that's where we're at, guys. And speaking of how angry those Yankees tend to make me... Why don't we talk about some of the whispers that have been going on in their world, despite nothing going on with them on the field. There's plenty going on off the field, whether they be talks, true or not, because who knows who to trust. (laughs) The off-season tales. It's the same thing every year. But we'll go through some Yankees news. And then, for the social media segment, I did leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger before when I was telling you about the show's plans. Kind of did this on purpose. You ever heard of a tease? They do it in the news. They do it in a lot of media content. But that's kind of what I did, alluding to the fact that I had a big surprise for you in the social media segment. I'll reveal it now to be nice, but we'll do Yankees news first after I reveal it to you. And then you could stick around for it to actually hear it happen amidst everybody else giving their responses to what was an open-ended question yet again here today. But for the social media segment, I figured I would do something that I never did on Yapping Yankees before. Can I get a drum roll, please? Oh, good. I like that. All right. So for the social media segment, I will be bringing on other voices, which has never happened in Yapping Yankees. It's always just been my voice, except for if I play a clip or something from the Yankees or anything like that. But otherwise, as far as the one who's talking, it's always been me. But for the social media segment, I figured, since they are, and that doesn't mean I'm disregarding any of you, obviously, but since they are objectively my biggest fans out there, I will be bringing on, for the first time, you'll be able to hear them on the show here after hearing their responses every single week amidst all of yours in the social media segment, I will be bringing on my girlfriend and my mom so that they could chat for a little bit and talk about the show and talk with all of you for the first time. So I'm bringing on other voices, voices that mean a great deal to me, of course, and I thought it'd be really fun to do for you guys to hear other voices on the show other than just myself. Obviously, I have teased the idea of potentially doing interviews somehow going forward, maybe in the distant future for Yapping Yankees. I'm still tossing that around, obviously, but for now, the next best thing is to get any and all other voices I can on here. And the ones who are constantly with me here at my house are my biggest supporters. Who better than my girlfriend and my mother? Two frequent participants of the show every single week. And objectively, two of the greatest people on this planet. So you will be hearing from them later. I hope you're excited. I know I am. Anything goes. I don't have anything prepared. We're just going to shoot from the hip like I do mostly on this show because I have my bullet points. I have my note taking occasionally with those bullet points just so I don't forget to bring something up. But we don't go by script here. We shoot from the hip when it comes to word to word. That's what we do. So we're going to do that later. It's going to be a freaking blast and I can't wait. (laughs) I personally can't wait to see how it goes and I hope you're as excited for it as I am. But Yankees news. What's going on with our boys before we get to all that? Well, there's a couple of pieces of news from this past week, from the past two weeks, actually. Some awards finalists have started to come out. Now, we know that one of the first things to happen usually each offseason 
is we get to see who wins what awards-wise. Gold gloves, platinum gloves, MVP, Hank Aaron Award, Cy Young. The list goes on and on and on and on. Well, the first round of awards has come out, finalists at least. The award winners aren't usually announced until after the World Series, obviously. But a couple of Yankees are up for an award. You have Anthony's, and I say Anthony's because they're both Anthony. Anthony's Rizzo and Volpe are both up for American League Gold Glove Awards at their respective positions. So this is awesome to hear from both sides, but especially Anthony Volpe because obviously he just got done playing his rookie season. And although it seemed sometimes that his arm wasn't really up to par, sometimes the throws wouldn't be 100% accurate. I mean, the range was incredible, and the throws sometimes were very good. I mean... A lot of the time they were very good, but sometimes it just seemed a bit off. He did make his mistakes there, but he's a rookie. First year in the majors, it happens. But on the whole, obviously his defense was really solid. I wasn't really sure he was going to be a gold glove finalist, but now that he is, that's freaking awesome. So I'm so amped for him that in his rookie year, he gets to experience what it feels like to at least be a finalist for an award already. And you only hope that he makes some inroads into getting some even more elite offensive awards because obviously his season offensively was kind of all over the place. A lot of his stats left a lot to be desired. A couple of his stats were actually pretty good. But I assume the more experience he gets, the more time he has to learn, the more time he has up here, the better he'll get and the more consistent his stats will be. There's some things to like, some things not to like. But as far as the defense is concerned, it obviously is good enough to land him in the finalists category for gold glove at shortstop, which is pretty freaking awesome. So congrats to Volpe. It would be awesome if he ended up winning. The other Anthony, the bigger Anthony, the older Anthony, the more experienced veteran Anthony, Anthony Rizzo. My God, if we had a drinking game right now to take a shot every time I said the word Anthony, I think each and every single one of you would be dead. But Anthony Rizzo. Otherwise, he is the other Gold Glove finalist for the Yankees. Deserving defensively, we obviously all know what a nightmarish season it turned out to be offensively for him after the Fernando Tatis Jr. collision, which is a real shame because before that, even at his age, he seemed to be getting off to a career year throughout the first two months. Then the collision happens and sends his season completely off the rails from an offensive standpoint. Doesn't hit a home run for almost half a season's length. Puts up some of the worst numbers of his entire career in that span, only for the medical team to later come out saying that we do think that he does in fact have some concussion symptoms from that collision with Tatis Jr. all those months ago, which is something that a lot of us fans were speculating in the first place. Because Anthony Rizzo putting up the kind of numbers that he did for the time span that he did have those apparent symptoms was highly unusual, completely out of the ordinary of what we know him to be. So from an offensive standpoint, obviously the season went completely awry It was really tough to watch, especially as a huge Anthony Rizzo fan such as myself. But from a defensive standpoint, we all know the kind of defender he is at first base, and he is always more than deserving of this honor. So being a finalist is really cool. Obviously, if he won it, that'd be even cooler. There are a lot of good first basemen out there. Anthony Rizzo definitely deserves to be recognized as at least one of them, from a defensive standpoint at least. And I hope that next year we could see him get back on track 
offensively as well because obviously when it comes to concussions and the like, things are usually really up in the air with that stuff. There's no guarantee, and it's a real question mark. So you only hope for the best, but being a finalist, really cool. So congratulations to both Anthony Rizzo and Anthony Volpe. We'll see how the awards themselves turn out when they are announced after the World Series. In other Yankees news, it was confusingly announced (laughs) this past week that Sean Casey, who about halfway through the season, give or take, was obviously hired as the new Yankees hitting coach after Dylan Lawson was let go. Sean Casey took over for him. Earlier in the offseason, you may recall that it was announced that Sean Casey was likely to return. It really seemed like it was all but certain that he was going to be back as a hitting coach. Nothing out of the ordinary, and I actually used that as evidence to really show that things from a coaching perspective and even Cashman and everybody else involved here are probably mostly going to stay the same, and this was step one to it. But now, as of this past week after the earlier reports suggested otherwise, it was announced that Sean Casey is not going to be returning as the hitting coach, which is really confusing to me. But then reports came out that he spoke to the media and he explained his reasoning apparently to be the fact that he wants to be around his daughters, which is totally understandable. Because unfortunately, he and his ex-wife are apparently divorced, reportedly, and he does not want to be away from his daughters on the road all throughout. So he wants to keep the family together as together as possible, at least on his behalf, and not stray too far away, especially in a time where his family is not all together. He and his wife are divorced. He wants to spend time with his daughters. It's understandable. Can't really say much. So wish all the best to Sean Casey. Wish I got to see a little bit more of him as a hitting coach so we can really uh, see what he's all about fully, maybe for an entire season, except for just a couple of months. But then again, you also think that this is the Yankees we're talking about and just the hitting coach really doesn't have too much of a say probably in what ultimately goes on. So take whichever side you want or maybe a balance of the two. I try to balance it. But nonetheless, he will no longer be around. So the Yankees are in a search for another hitting coach. It'll be their third within the last couple of years, once 2024 comes in, because in 2023 they had two different ones. And since the start of 23, this would be their third, whoever is up next. And a lot of people have been throwing names around and speculating and discussing, throwing ideas back and forth, because that's what we do, especially in the offseason. It's full of that part of what makes it both great and really freaking annoying. But nonetheless, a couple of names being thrown around. I heard Nick Swisher, which I wouldn't be opposed to. I obviously really like Swisher. He's a boatload of fun. I'd be curious to see which kind of advice and wisdom he could impose upon the Yankees offense. But another interesting name that I heard about that I really was thinking about for a while, and I think I would still like, is Tino Martinez. He could be a good option for a replacement. I mean, He does have a sort of a history in this arena, which gave me some pause. I'm not really sure how many of you out there may know what I am talking about, but I refer back to his resigning as the Marlins hitting coach back about 10 years ago in 2013, so maybe a little over 10 years ago. And that was his first coaching job in the bigs at the time, and he resigned after apparent reports saying that there was verbal abuse on his behalf, and he grabbed Derek Dietrich's jersey. Derek Dietrich should be a familiar name to Yankee fans because he played briefly with them. Didn't have much of a stay here, but he was a part of the operation for a little while. 
obviously Dietrich used to be a Marlin, and Tino used to be a coach there. And he used to apparently, evidently here, clearly used to get pretty fired up, even to the point where it might not have been okay. But you want to know something? I'm the one who will think that, you know, it's over 10 years ago. I'd like to think that there was some personal and professional growth in all that time that goes by. It was Tino's first job. Perhaps it wouldn't be the same in the second. You learn, you grow, and you change as a result, possibly. And I think it's safe to say that because of the hitter that Tino was and the knowledge that he possesses, that he could potentially be good for the Yankee offense. Who knows? There's really no way of knowing until you give him a chance. But as far as all the other stuff that led to his resigning, again, I would like to think that after 10-plus years that things would be different. And we probably don't even really know the full story of why what happened happened because we weren't in the clubhouse and weren't with the team when it happened unless one of my listeners out there happens to have been a former Marlins staffer or player who could speak on it. In that case, then send it to me. I'd be very interested in hearing about it. But I would definitely think at the very least that there is some growth that takes place and With that experience, it would be different for your second job, especially for the organization that you came to love so much, being with Tino and the Yankees, and it could end up being a really good fit. Just a thought. I don't know. Just a thought that I had, and it could be very interesting. I would like to see how it could go and where it could lead, how much input he would have as the hitting coach, because of course we know the real ones who mainly run the show here, unfortunately, when it comes to the Yankees. But I think it could be an interesting name. Honestly, between him or Swisher, I don't really mind who gets it because I think both can really provide interesting perspectives and potential techniques and wisdom and advice that these guys can follow. So I'm curious to see whether it's one of those two or someone completely different and how much input and difference they really give or have on the Yankees. So now on top of everything else they need, When we originally thought that it was going to be Sean Casey at hitting coach again, they now have another aspect of the team that they've got to be on the search with. So the hitting coach search, let it commence. As if they don't already have enough to worry about when it comes to on the field, we obviously know that they have a lot to address, which perfectly segues me into my next point. The fact that there was a report earlier this week that said the Yankees and the Padres had taken part in preliminary talks regarding Juan Soto. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, and even in years past when the idea was thrown around, I have always had an interest in Juan Soto, especially of late when the conversation has intensified even more so. Because the Yankees are obviously in need of not just one outfielder, no, no, no. They're in need of, I would say, two. Because if you're not going to put someone like Oswaldo Cabrera or any other utility fielder out there, or Stanton or anybody else then you're missing a center fielder and a left fielder, or at least consistent ones at that. The only consistent fielder is Aaron Judge, really. And obviously he missed a chunk of 2023 just now, so it has people being a little iffy about his health yet again. I don't really hold it against him, because, I mean, it was kind of a freak thing, hitting a cement slab right underneath a faulty bullpen gate in Dodger Stadium, sacrificing his body as he always does for the team, And then he came back, and although he wasn't quite the judge we knew, he still definitely showed plenty of flashes of it. And if he has a full season next year, we could definitely see the judge that we all know and love again, 
especially considering the amount of home runs he hit and the amount of games that he had in 2023, suggested that over the course of a regular full season, his home run pace still would have been ridiculously high. So in a way, he still was the judge that we all know and love. But regardless, that is your only sure outfielder at this moment. Unless you go in with him on opening day, really there's no one else other than potentially, I don't know, Estevan Florial. What kind of message would it send to the fan base if you have your opening day center fielder being the guy that you at one point in 2023 DFA'd? Floreal has his pluses, yeah, but I'd like somebody better after all these years. I definitely would. I wouldn't mind Floreal getting regular at-bats in another capacity. Like if he has to be switched into there every other day or maybe you just give one of the two positions to him. If he plays center field and you still need a left fielder, he plays left field, you still need a center fielder. So my point is, regardless, you still need at least one outfielder. At least. And there's an argument for two. And you could at least make an argument for just about anybody. But the two that have been mentioned the most, obviously, as we've spoken about for weeks now, weeks, the two, first one would be in a trade, obviously, would be Juan Soto from San Diego. Left-handed hitting, generational talent, absolute stud Juan Soto. And the other is left-handed hitting stud also Cody Bellinger. Now, Cody Bellinger tends to be a bit nerve-wracking, and I mentioned these nerve-wracking feelings about him last episode a couple of weeks ago, and maybe even the prior episode or two before that. A lot of people are quick to forget that amidst his good 2023, which shouldn't be taken away from him, Cody Bellinger was awful for three years following 2019, just up until 2023. 2023 was a fantastic year that he had with the Chicago Cubs. It was great to see him bounce back after what he was in 2019 and back. But because of his bounce back, it probably also means that he's going to be getting a big deal big contract. And because this has happened so often with the Yankees, I shudder at the thought of it potentially happening again, even having a remote possibility of happening again. And that potential scenario is, after having a phenomenal bounce back with the Cubs last year on a one-year deal, Yankees sign him to a big contract, and he immediately regresses, and the Yankees are stuck with him like they've been stuck with so many others in horrible contracts. It has just been so redundant in Yankees history, especially the recent past, and I tremble at the thought of it happening again, and it could very well happen again in Cody Bellinger. There's no proof for one or the other, for it working out or not working out, but regardless, I am very afraid of that. It's still better than getting absolutely no MLB-proven elite talent, though. It's still better taking a shot on him, but I'm just saying it still freaks me out, the possibility of that happening. Juan Soto now, on the other side of the coin, is the one that I would definitely much rather. Because obviously he's younger, he's also a lefty, so he and Cody are both lefties. Offensively, Juan Soto is better than just about any other option out there. You could extend him after you bring him in, you could sign him long term, which would make this even more worth it. As a matter of fact, I'm saying that I wouldn't be interested in unless the Yankees plan on doing so. If they do have to give up a lot of people, they may as well do it and sign him long term after to make it even more worth it. And I mean, it should just be a no brainer. 
elite talent in the outfield, elite talent at the plate. He's got the right mindset. He's already a World Series champion after leading the 2019 Washington Nationals to a championship at age 20. There are a lot of appealing aspects about Juan Soto. And the most important thing, might I mention, might I mention, of late, yeah, he may have decreased a bit in certain ways since his Washington days. He is still a beyond elite talent nonetheless, though. The big important thing to me, guys, is that since 2018, 2020 obviously does not count because it was a messed up season, but even in a year where there was only 60 games, played 47 of them, so played most of the season, every single year of his career since 2019, this guy has played at least 150 games in a season. Yes, he stays healthy, (laughs) which is massively important when it comes to the Yankees because they cannot stay on the field if a gun were to their heads. So if you have the option of having a young generational talent who also avoids injury, of course, me saying that now, if he were traded here, probably the opposite would happen because the universe tends to hate me every now and again. But you get a guy who can stay healthy when you think about all the problems injury-wise the Yankees have had for countless years consecutively now, that is also a very appealing factor. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that amidst all of the amazing talent Juan Soto possesses, and yes, all of those points are very valid as well, should be brought up to no end. But that is what I look at mainly, especially after the season the Yankees just got through, seasons that the Yankees have gotten through. In 2023... He played all 162 people. You don't see that a lot anymore. Gets on base all the time. Hits home runs. Hit 35 home runs. 109 runs batted in. Walked 132 times. OPS plus 158. He slugs 519. OPS 930. 410 on base, guys. The guy gets on base, too. What were the on-base stats for the Yankees this past year amidst the worst in the world? I mean, come on. In 162, only struck out 129 times. It's, come on. Come on. What else do you need? He'll even steal you a few bags at 12 stolen bases if anybody cares about that. 32 doubles. And he stays healthy. Like, come on. He's young. He's a left-handed hitter. He's enthusiastic. He's motivated. And even at his young age, he's got postseason and championship experience. Juan Soto's got to be the guy. I won't be livid if they get Cody Bellinger, although I have my fears about a big contract and him potentially regressing. Because other than 2023, since after 2019, he had been awful. Wouldn't hate Cody Bellinger. Great defense, left-handed hitter, a lot of power, and when he's at his best, he is a big threat. But Juan Soto's got to be the guy, bro. He's got to be the guy. And if you could find a way to get him, and there's been a big discussion in the Yankee community as well about who you'd be willing to give up, who you'd be willing to part ways with. 
it's basically going to be the same answer for me as it was in prior weeks. Anyone not named Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. Just about anyone else. And people were going through the Yankee roster, especially as of this past week, because the Juan Soto conversation, especially after the original report that there had been preliminary talks just a few days ago, the discussion became even more intense about the possibility of trading for Juan Soto, even if the talks were just preliminary, if that, there better be at least preliminary talks. For you to not even talk or float the idea around would be borderline criminal if you're the Yankees. And people were going up and down the roster, and one player, interestingly enough, that caught a lot of people's attention, I guess it was just a sort of hypothetical scenario that people came up with, a lot of discussion, and I even addressed it on Twitter, a lot of discussion centered around, for some reason, Anthony Rizzo, especially in light of the offensive season that he had after the collision, obviously, maybe that had something to do with it. But regardless, he came up in conversation, and people were throwing around the idea, would you give up Anthony Rizzo if it meant he would play a big role in a potential Juan Soto deal, if he could potentially be a part of a big package heading to San Diego, and the Yankees would get Juan Soto back? Not necessarily being the difference maker or saying that the Padres would even want or need him, just as a hypothetical if for some reason he was necessary, just as a part of it, a piece of the machine, would you do it? Now, I say this even as a massive Anthony Rizzo lover who really had more excitement than almost any Yankee fan in existence when the Yankees got him at the deadline a couple of years ago. Even as someone like that who values Rizzo as much as I do, I will go on the line saying that if this potential scenario ever came to fruition, I would offer to be the one to purchase Anthony Rizzo's plane tickets to San Diego. If that drives the point home hard enough. Of course I would. It's Juan Soto, and I stick to my original statement what I said. Just about anyone not named Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole the two centerpieces of the Yankees who they will not win without and unfortunately are not getting any younger as the seasons continue to pass and the Yankees continue to come up short year in and year out. Other than those two, maybe a couple of guys would give me slight pause, Glaber Torres because of what he meant to the Yankees in 23 and other seasons as well, but especially last year amidst just endless pain. And maybe Jason Dominguez who is still at such an age and could be Such an important young stud piece of the puzzle for the Yankees going forward for many years to come. Maybe there'd be a bit of a pause there, but listen, all the Yankees have done when it comes to acquiring big potential pieces in the last few years, all they have done is hold on to what they had and really not taken too many chances. If the possibility comes around and just about anyone not named Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole is asked for in a deal, even if you look at prospects in the minors, you pull the trigger already. Go off course from what you have already done because it hasn't freaking worked. Do it. Get it done. It's what's best for the team. You cannot possibly tell me that acquiring Juan Soto in a trade would be a bad thing. I actually saw people, almost impressively so, Going on Twitter, or X, whatever the hell it's called, this past week, and trying to convince themselves somehow, psyching themselves out of it, trying to convince themselves that somehow the Yankees acquiring Soto would not be a good thing. Are you out of your mind, is the one question I would have for you. There is no con 
to acquiring Juan Soto. You want to talk about a player that could mean a lot to the team going forward and not even just now. Someone you could extend and have be just so vital to a potential championship, basically on the level of Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole. And you not having to give either of them up and you're going to spin it into a bad thing? Obviously, things can always go wrong. You never put aside the possibility of that. You never tempt fate. But, I mean, to say off the bat that, oh yeah, this would be a bad thing. He would regress here. He wouldn't be able to handle New York. It wouldn't be the same here for him. Everyone comes here to die and the same thing would be for him. It just wouldn't be the same here. Even his offense would drop off and he just wouldn't be the same player. Says who? (laughs) It's Juan Soto. Has he not proven himself enough to be an elite generational talent? Oh my goodness. I mean, you know it's getting to a point of just absolute denial when you're trying to convince yourself that getting Juan Soto would be a bad thing. I love Anthony Rizzo, and I have a personal attachment to quite a few players on this team. But if you're going to get someone like Juan Soto, and they need to be a piece of the puzzle, or they're a deciding factor, you got to pull the trigger. I mean, what are we doing here? So it's a lot of scenarios and a lot of discussion going on all over social media about it, especially upon it being revealed that there have been preliminary talks. And then John Heyman, who, whose reports I would definitely take with a grain of salt if I were you. Same guy who broke that arson judge was headed to the Giants amidst Aaron Judge's contract talks. But he then, after that, said that, oh, there haven't been any talks really between the two sides. So who really knows who's telling the truth? I would definitely rather go with the original reporter being Andy Martino. There have definitely been a lot of things that I have not agreed with Andy Martino about on a personal basis, but a lot of his reporting has been pretty accurate. John Heyman is definitely, well, he's had his accurate reporting too, and he's definitely one of the bigger names in the field. I definitely think after the whole arson judge charade that a lot of respect has been lost for him, and some of his reporting, a decent amount of it, has been incorrect. And I just am not a fan of his personally. Just putting that out there. And also just to deal with it mentally. Just refusing to accept that the Yankees could possibly be so dumb. Even dumber than they've already displayed in recent history. To not even at least throw around the idea or remotely discuss with the Padres a potential deal involving Juan Soto. A part of me can't mentally handle that. So maybe I'm also just telling myself this so I can mentally cope with that possibility. (laughs) But nonetheless, just about anything, guys. Again, you can get Juan Soto. You do it. You do it. And it should not even be a discussion. I'm sorry. So, the potential announcement that there have been possible preliminary discussions, even if they are just preliminary and that slight, about Juan Soto between the Yankees and the Padres, I'm already hyped. Get me into that off-season energy. I know a lot of people out there have been saying, well, this goes on with just about every star every off-season. And you wouldn't be wrong, (laughs) because a lot of Yankee fans get off on just fantasizing about every superstar, every star, potentially being a Yankee someday, and it often dominates off-season discussion, even, even if it holds absolutely no water, and there's no reason to believe it could realistically happen. And that's part of what makes the off-season completely annoying. I totally understand. I totally agree, actually. But as long as there are slight reports, even if they're not based off 100% truth, for all we know, because us outsiders don't really know, 
what's going on on the inside of these organizations. But as long as there are even just reports about potential preliminary talks, even if it's just to soften the blow in case they don't get him, for the Yankees saying, oh, at least they spoke to him when they really didn't. But even if it is just that, I'm still going to get excited at the mere thought of it because it would be genuinely good for the Yankees to do. So I'm going to get excited at the mere thought of it, at least. You'll have to forgive me for wanting my team to be successful and reverse the disgraceful six months that we were just witness to. But nonetheless, that was the report. Preliminary talks between the Yankees and the Padres for Juan Soto. That's my guy if I had to pick. Wouldn't hate Bellinger, just have my fears about it, but Juan Soto's my guy. If that is to continue on this path, you will not find many other Yankee fans in existence more excited than I am if even the remote possibility exists that the Yankees can trade for Juan Soto. Who'd be involved in the trade? I guess maybe if more information comes out about that and there are specific names and we can talk about it, or we can talk about it amongst ourselves, I'm sure it is not a discussion that'll die anytime soon. But again, especially I would really like and would be willing to even more so give up even more important pieces that some others may be hesitant to if the scenario came about that the Yankees also sign him long-term. That is a must for me to a certain degree if this deal were to happen. But if it did, to say the least, I would be beyond amped. A move like that shifts an entire organization in the right direction, undeniably so. There is rightfully no one out there who can convince me or even imagine to start convincing me that this could be a bad thing. So we'll see where these sorts of reports go going forward, if anywhere. But otherwise, I'll just continue to sit here and be excited about the mere thought of it, I guess. <laughs> so that's really center stage of Yankees news, what's really happened for the most part in the last two weeks. Kind of quiet, but otherwise, it's mainly just talk, like much of the offseason is. And we have plenty more time, as we know, to continue to do so, especially following the World Series. So that's that for Yankees news, guys. I'm sure we'll have even more to talk about next week for episode 201. But as of now... As we near the one hour, 20 minute mark in the show, because again, just can't shut up. Let us wrap up episode 200, the bicentennial, neatly with a bow, with what we always do with the social media segment. And again, as a reminder, as a switch up here, and as a nice surprise for all of you, I will be having my mom and girlfriend on at the end of this segment to help wrap up the show at the very end giving their response to the social media open-ended question and just saying whatever else it is that they want, I guess. <laughs> I might ask them a few questions. Might become a full-on interview. Who knows? We'll see. But nonetheless, I gave you an open-ended question this week for the Yapping Yankees social media segment, and it didn't necessarily get the full interaction that my social media segments usually do, but I'm in full understanding of that because the question is more so about the show Yapping Yankees itself. Obviously, it's not going to draw as many eyes and as much attention and encourage people to reply as much as a casual Yankees question will, obviously. And also, a good amount of people's listenership, whether it be on the radio or a podcast or what have you, a good chunk of the listenership won't interact to begin with because they just don't like to, or maybe they're shy or whatnot. So both those reasons combined, I'm fully aware as to why this wouldn't quite get the full amount of interaction that other social media segments in the past have gotten, but I still wanted to ask a Yapping Yankees specifically related question because it's episode 200. So I figured even if it's just the diehard fans answering who have been here for a while, I figured I'd throw this question out there because it is very appropriate given the occasion. 
So given that, the question is, have you listened to Yapping Yankees before? And if so, for how long? Episodes-wise, time-length-wise, whatever. And what are your honest thoughts on the show at this point, 200 episodes in? So I'd like to get some honest feedback, and I want to see how many of you, if you're willing to interact or want to give the time to, how long you've been around for. Have you just hopped on? Have you been around for a little while? Have you been around maybe since the middle of it, maybe a couple years in? Have you been around since the beginning? Over four years ago, my God. So I was curious. So let's get right to it and hear some answers. Still got a decent amount. We'll probably do like, including my mom and Victoria, of course, later on. Maybe like 10 or so. I usually do between that amount, like 20-ish, usually anyway, week by week. So it's all good. Let us start with my good friend, Laura, at Laura underscore Icemont, saying, Congratulations, Mike. Thank you, Laura. I've listened to Yapping Yankees since you started. Sometimes I'll listen to the episode in its entirety. I'll break it up into sections in case I get busy with something else. The show is great, and I can't wait to listen to more episodes. Thank you so much, Laura. Since the beginning, you have definitely always been an OG, a frequent interactor with the social media segments, obviously, so I'm infinitely appreciative to you, of course. I know you've been around since the start, and that's absolutely incredible. I definitely don't expect people to listen to the entirety of the episodes fully uninterrupted and fully through, the ones that, you know, regularly seem to be like an hour and a half or so plus, which have been a lot of them for some time now. So, listen, it's a long listen. I know that. So, if you break it up into sections or do what you got to do, that is totally fine with me. Again, listening it all still means the world to me. So thank you so much, Laura. Really appreciate it. I cannot tell you how much that means to me. And I know there are plenty more out there who would say the same thing as far as listening for as long as you have and how much you love the show. So because I get a lot of a lot of praise and a lot of positivity about this show, and I cannot tell you all how much that means to me. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, another longtime listener. Hi, Mike. Huge congratulations on episode 200. An amazing accomplishment. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I've been a loyal listener since episode one. I love your show. I appreciate that you always give your honest thoughts and opinions. Thank you for sharing with all of us. Here's to 200 more. <laughs> That's a lot more. I don't know if I get to 400. I'd love to. That'd be awesome. But yeah, another day one supporter, another OG Rebecca, thank you so, so much. That means a lot. Us day ones have been through a lot together and have covered a lot together, both the Yankees, the real world, everything, because I mentioned things have gone on in the world at times too occasionally. So just a lot, a lot has happened in these last almost four and a half years. My God, but thank you so, so much, Rebecca. At Yankee Ken says, I've listened to your show for a few years now, maybe around episode 80 or so. I like it. You're knowledgeable and easy to listen to. You speak clearly without stumbling on your words and get your point across, which is important. I like the format and the weekly questions. Oh, thanks so much, man. Episode 80 is still a long time ago. 120 episodes, that's, I don't know, anywhere from like two and a half to three years ago. It's a long time. (laughs) So I really appreciate that, man. It's awesome. But thank you for the compliments. Knowledgeable and and easy to listen to. I try to be. I try to make this as entertaining for you as possible because I know it's a show with just me for the most part. I might incorporate clips, sound effects, and all that good stuff. But it is mostly me giving my takes and also interacting with you on the social media segments. But it's still just me talking. So with that being said, it's not easy to do a show by yourself. But it could still be really fun if you know what you're doing. And I'd like to think I know what I'm doing. But... 
you just try to make it as entertaining as possible for everybody. And I'm glad to hear that a lot of people feel that it is. Makes me feel very good and makes me feel very good about my conversation skills if I could just sit here for an hour and a half and talk to myself endlessly. So that's very nice. (laughs) So not stumbling on my words. I mean, every once in a blue moon I do. Every now and again. Everybody does. Especially when you talk as fast as I do sometimes. So, yeah, but it's an important thing. Occasionally I stumble, though. Everyone does. Absolutely everyone does. Getting my point across, giving honest opinions. I mean, yeah, if you're not going to do that, what are you here for? Even what Rebecca said before, you know, giving honest thoughts and opinions. Well, what are you really doing here if you're not going to be you and give your honest thoughts, even if they're not very popular? That's just the name of the game sometimes, you know? So, but I really appreciate that so, so much. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. At Sean 99660764 says, Since you and I followed each other, and I find it very informative, I trust your opinion about our favorite team. So thank you, Mike, and keep at it. Well, Sean, you in particular, I definitely know you and I have been following each other for some time. So there's another, another fan that's been around for a while. Thank you so much for the support. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tina at MountainGal456 says, Thank you, Mike, and congrats as well. Thank you, Tina. I've been a listener since you started Yapping Yankees, and I still listen. Sometimes I have to take a break and then get back to it. I enjoy hearing everyone's responses and yours as well. I enjoy responding to myself. All the best for many more. Tina, you have definitely been another top supporter from the beginning. Easily remember that you have always, always interacted, just like many others, but... You have definitely been there since day one. Another day one OG. Thank you so, so much, Tina. Thank you. Spencer at Musician DMD says, Congrats on episode 200. Thank you, my friend. I started tuning in regularly about one year ago. Yapping Yankees is my go-to choice for my Monday morning commute. You're articulate, self-critical, open-minded, honest, humorous, sincere, and you construct an exceptionally polished program. You provide something that fans, especially in the tri-state area, want. Lots of Yankees talk. You deliver way better than WFAN and 98.7 ESPN Radio. Your social media segment is your signature move, and your listeners appreciate your sincerity for your appreciation and to communicate with your audience. Keep it up. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That almost chokes me up, honestly, Spencer. Thank you so much. (laughs) Wow. All I can say is I I try to be. I try. This is just me. This really is me. You talk to me in person, and anyone who knows me in real life that interacts here or is just on social media in general, if any of you may know them, if you know someone on social media, a mutual of ours maybe, who you know has met me in person, ask them how I am in person. I am damn near similar. This is is just me, guys. I'm very authentic. (laughs) I do not switch it up just for the airwaves at all. This is me. So, the fact that so many of you have all these kind things to say about me means so much. So much. And to say that I do it even better than the fan and ESPN radio, I don't know about that. But I still, to say I appreciate the compliment is is no words. Those are the top sports stations around. (laughs) So, it's unbelievable. And plus, their form is definitely much different than... You know how a podcast does things, but still, that means the world. And I know the listeners really, I, and I hope that they appreciate the social media segment, because obviously I don't really have a, a call-in segment per se. So in my opinion, this is the next best thing, especially considering social media is so popular and so frequently used. So 
right at the beginning, I just thought it'd be a good idea when I first fired this bad boy up over four years ago. So to know that people out there appreciate and really enjoy it is awesome. But yeah, that's that's awesome, Spencer. Thank you so much for the compliments, man. Really appreciate it. At NYY1523 says, been listening since about number eight or nine. You've gotten better and more polished with time, but have stayed true to yourself. Been a Yankees fan since the late 70s and feel like you represent the diehard fans out there. I love listening, going to and from work. Congrats on 200. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And eight or nine, that is still a long time. (laughs) Because eight or nine goes back to what, maybe... I don't know, August-ish of 19. So that's still about four years ago, four plus. That's insane. Thank you so, so much for that kind of loyalty and sticking around. And Yeah, I already did my radio shows in college, as I had mentioned before when I was talking about myself and what led up to Yapping Yankees. And I did those shows for the better part of four years. But, you know, with transitioning to a podcast and doing this weekly and... Obviously, the more you broadcast, the better you're going to get naturally, even if you already have prior experience. Anytime you start up a new project, even if you had broadcasted before, it's still an adjustment because it's a new show. It's a new piece of content. But yeah, anyone's going to grow with more time and effort into something, more practice. So I am glad that there has been an increase in polishment, as you put it. So thanks so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. At... Benedet11D says, I want Cashman fired. (laughs) Way to follow a train of thought, my guy. (laughs) I appreciate that, though. That's funny. (laughs) But me too, in all seriousness. Okay. I think we have made it deep enough into the show and read a decent amount of replies here, especially from my diehards here. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate all the love and support, even you silent ones listening to me frequently or maybe for just a little bit who I know are out there showing support as well. Cannot tell you how much I love all of you, but I think now's a good time to do that thing I have never done before, and that is physically incorporating new voices on Yapping Yankees. I think I'm going to go and call my mom and my girlfriend Victoria into the room to have a little chat with me and you. What do you say? (laughs) This is going to be so awesome. All right, I'll be right back. Record scratch! Alright, so a bit of time has passed now. I just went to go get my mom and Victoria. So, this is going to be the first time again that I have any other voices, other than my own, if we're not talking about like a clip or something, on Yapping Yankees, which this is like a big change. Because it's always ever been just me talking to you guys, obviously. And it took 200 episodes to do otherwise. So, I have them in here with the room, in, in the room with me right now. And I figured we'd just talk to them for a few minutes. I have my handheld mic here, so I'm going to give it to them so they could talk individually. And you might hear me in the background or something, hear some background noise, whatever, just deal with it. But I'm going to start with Victoria, and I guess you hand off the mic to mom afterwards, right? So how does it feel to actually be in the room and able to talk on the show and be with me while I'm talking as opposed to just listening to hear me talk to myself like someone who belongs in a mental institution, for the better part of the last, like, I don't know, like, four-plus years. Like, how does it feel, honestly? I'm used to it. I'm used to you talking to yourself. <laughs> Just casually around the house, like, I always do it. Good, that, that that makes it sound good. You guys shouldn't talk even if the mic's not on you. Like, if they hear you in the background, it's fine. It's whatever. We're just going for it here. But what about you, Ma? 
Well, I look it back to, I, I love it. I've been wanting other people on the show forever. I think people should be calling in. That's what I'm hoping for one day, maybe on your 400th episode. <laughs> maybe we could get that. I, listen, I'm still trying to figure out a way here. I do have an app on my phone that I think could have it work out. Maybe when I could get certain people on the phone, maybe get like a phone interview going on. I'm still looking into that though. But, um, so it is, it's pretty like wild being in here, right? I love it. I love listening to your show. I love being a part of the show. Thank you for having us on. Awesome. No, because it's it's got to be like a little weird because like oh, well, Victoria seemed like she had something else to say. Hold on, what? What did you want to say? I, I was going to say the last time we were on the radio together was in college. That's right. I was talking about earlier in the show. Apple yep. I will. You guys will hear about it later in the show when you guys actually are listening back to it when it's actually out because obviously it's not out right now. We're just recording. But... Earlier in the show, when I was talking about my history and what led to Yapping Yankees, I mentioned that I did two shows in college, and I was assistant managing the radio station, and that was really like the last time we were in like the same radio environment together, and that was over four years ago because we're getting old now. I know that's insulting to you, Mom. I'm sorry. (laughs) No. I have very young-looking parents, for the record, so that's very good for me, but... I think the main thing here is that you guys have obviously been my two biggest supporters since I started, even going back to my college days. But even now, you're my biggest supporters. You guys frequently reply to the social media segments every week without question. You're always asking me, have you put it up yet? Why haven't you put it up yet? What are you waiting for? What not? How the hell do I answer this? What's the deal? Like, Can you give me some background on it if I haven't necessarily followed it the way you have? <laughs> but, <laughs> but regardless... What do you guys have to say about like me basically hitting 200 episodes? Like the fact that I've been doing this for four years in this room, like how crazy is it to like be like 200 episodes pretty much like, like hearing me do this for all this time and arriving here. Well, I think a lot of people listening don't realize a lot of the work that goes into it. And you even did it during COVID when there was a shortened season and there's a lot of tough things going on in everybody's personal life and you just kept it going and, you know, you can never hear on the other end, you know, a lot of the stresses that were happening. And I just think that goes to show how professional you are. Nah, I, I really appreciate that, honestly. But that definitely was another one of the things I mentioned. The fact that, like, we, I kept doing the show and, it, like, during COVID and everything. And I even called it, like, the, oh, God, what did I call it? I'm forgetting now I'm blank. And I, I think I called it, like, the purgatory episodes. Or something like that. Yeah, I, I think it was purgatory. Yeah, it was like purgatory part one and part two, part three, until it, all the way until it ended. So that if people ever want to look back at the episodes, they would know that, okay, this is during the time there was no baseball, just thanks to the freaking virus. But those were crazy times because a lot of other people took breaks with content and or just they just didn't really, really know what to do because baseball was supposed to be going on, but it wasn't. The entire world was like in stasis, basically. But I do appreciate that because... A main thing that I've tried to pride myself on with the Yapping Yankees is my consistency. Obviously, I try to, like, I take off every now and again, whether it be for, like, a Sunday holiday or if we have something going on with the family, I'll take off because, especially after, like, 200 episodes, you do what you got to do. Life comes in. It happens. Um, But I've tried to stay consistent as best as I can. And the fact that after only just a little bit after four years, I've hit 200, which is basically mathematically more or less correct, I guess. But... Yeah, during that time, that was crazy. At that time, it was just announced that the Astros cheated in 2017. It was 
uh, baseball anymore, as far as I'm concerned, but that's okay. Well, <laughs> my mom is a notorious Astros hater, as are many Yankee fans, so it's fine. But, mom, I'll basically throw the same question to you that Victoria answered about, like, make it here finally and, like, being firsthand witness to being in the house while I've done this for, like, over four years. Like, what is it? How's it for you? Well, I'm really proud of you, but I'm biased. But everything you take, um, uh, when you take something seriously, there's no fooling around with you. You just keep it going. You are committed. Um, we are used to not seeing you most of the day or evening on Sundays. It's just years now. Even in Italy, it's crazy. It's archaic over there, and you get it done. I'm proud of you. I used to love listening to you in college. I remember your first time. You, they even had you on Facebook, and, and you were so nervous. And now, oh, you were so nervous, and I was sitting here freaking out listening to you. And I watched you grow from then, and now you're just so comfortable. Um, I, I hope to either get you visually seen one day when you're doing this or, like, you're instead of doing a social media segment, that they can call in that would be really cool or something like that you know but you you do a really good job Mikey I'm very proud of you well thank you well one, one thing I might get back to doing I did it for a little bit no one cares that you called me Mike you're my mom no one cares <laughs> no one cares <laughs> she was saying that off to the side that Victoria's like oh my god he just called Mikey on his own podcast oh my god no one cares it's fine you're my mom uh, but <laughs> nonetheless I might bring back something that I did before when I would go live on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook sometimes like I used to at times, just so people can see me at some capacity. So cool. But um, I might have to get back to doing that. I might do it. But um, but yeah, I, I really try and thank you. Those times were nerve-wracking. The first time that light went on when I was in college, I... Quivering. I remember you were so nervous. I mean, those first couple of times. Oh my gosh. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe what it's like to see the light go on for the first time. It's... I was sweating through my clothes. It's crazy. But um but yeah, listen, I I definitely try to keep it going. I appreciate the compliments for how the show is. I really do like work my butt off on this. And uh I do spend like multiple hours on it because you know, like editing and, and just making sure it's all good. I'm very hard on myself and very I expect a lot of myself, so I, I work really hard on anything I do, that's for sure. And getting it done in Italy is actually a point of pride for me because like you said not much is going on because when we go to Italy we go to the town where my grandfather was born and raised in and there is not a lot down there in the south in southern Italy in the re region of Basilicata where there's really just a bunch of little towns on mountainsides and there's not much to do although there is also plenty to do if you can get away from technology for a while enjoy the the company of people which is a foreign concept now but but nonetheless all it takes is for me to bring my laptop and my microphone and I make it happen and it's awesome like getting to know that I'm releasing an episode and people are listening to me from the other side of the freaking ocean. I know it's just awesome for me. I think you know what I think. I um, you've gotten us through a lot of crazy stuff, even like with COVID or this horrible 2023 season. It's really helpful to hear uh, you going off on a tangent, like it, just the way we're feeling and thinking. It's like you're sitting here on the other side listening to the show, going, "Yeah, yeah." That's exactly how I feel. It's helpful. It's kind of therapeutic. Uh, I like that. It's very therapeutic. I even just mentioned earlier in the show, too, you'll hear it later when you listen, that this microphone can act as an aspect of joy for me and something that I can't wait to get to if something good is happening. Or it could be my metaphorical way of knocking the heavy bag that we have downstairs off of its chain 
and just destroying things. Exactly, exactly. It's a form of therapy. I was gonna say when I hear you screaming, and I say to myself, "Oh, there he goes." <laughs> I know. That's that's why I let off. Exactly. That's why I let off with saying, with asking you guys, like, how does it feel to actually be in here with me, actually recording right now, after hearing me from outside the room in other rooms of the house, me talking to myself like a psychopath, because you're actually in here now, and you actually see me talking as opposed to just imagining what the hell could he possibly look like in there as he's going off on this tangent. I like it. I like it. This is cool. I, I can actually come into your room while you're doing this and not be worried that I'm messing up your your podcast. Yeah, because so, sometimes I'll be in the zone and like I hear a knock on the door. I'm like, crap, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> and I got to pause it and take a few less. I don't care, but it, it's, just, it's just funny sometimes. But it is awesome to have you two in here. I have to tell you, pasta's ready. You, you know, someone's got to do Exactly. Pasta Sundays must still commence. It doesn't matter. It must still happen. So, like, sometimes I'll be in here and, and like, mom will be like, all right, well, lunch is ready. So, come on out whenever you want. Or then at night, I'll still be going at, like, 9 o'clock at night. And Victoria's like, you forgot to eat dinner, you idiot. So, <laughs> so I'll go out there and get a bite to eat real quick, pause this, and then resume whatever's left later on. It just depends on the Sunday. But um, oh, lovely when you finish a podcast at eleven o'clock at night and you come out there and have some more pasta. <laughs> well, spoiler alert: not too far off from happening right now because right now it's about ten o'clock at the time I'm taping. This will be out to you guys before too long. But yeah, not too not too far off from that right now. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us on. Oh, my pleasure. I love you. Love you too. Love you both. Thank you so much for coming in here. All right, get out. Get out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I got to finish the show though. Thank you. So we're gonna wrap it up thank now. You for listening to Mike. Yes, thank you. Keep it going. I know those are literally not to discount you guys again because you guys are also completely awesome out there. But these are factually my two biggest supporters, and I know just from hearing that just now, and just from you hear them every single week. You got to know that they appreciate all of you as well because. You guys showing support to me is, it just means the world to them. I know that. I do. So. Sorry for my long responses every week and my sarcasm. <laughs> no. Now you know where Michael gets it from. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like, do you want Cashman fired or something? I don't know. Oh, I, I want worse than that. <laughs> oh, my God. I want worse than that. Oh, my God. Oh, no. He's yeah, I, eliminated because otherwise he'll <laughs> still be out there in baseball land destroying some other team. would be sad. I would feel sorry for them. I know, it's, it's just, oh my God. I know, I, got, I had to get you riled up. Oh, I had to get you riled up. Let, let your imaginations flow out there for what you want to take as the meaning of eliminated. I let your imaginations flow on that. Oh gosh. But <laughs> it looks like a cue ball stick. Oh I can't, my God. I can't. I'm not editing this out. Oh, I'm not editing this out. I am not, this will go out over the airwaves. It will. So congratulations on that. True thoughts. Sometimes I have to filter you a little bit when I'm reading your replies. Sometimes. But listen, but I, I get the frustration. I, I kind of miss like Joe Girardi. Like, remember the squint and the chewing the gum that you used to do, make fun of him. Forget it. I, I yeah, the squinting, the squinting, and 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 obviously the main thing, the casual thing, was people mentioning like holding the binder, like like binder Joe. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like, I would definitely like cross my arms and do that squint that he used oh, to do gosh, from the dugout all the time. So and I used to make everyone die laughing over that. It was a funny impersonation. Now just give me a double bubble so I could have it explode all over my face, and just I'll, that'll be a good impersonation of Boone, I, know. I guess. I, you got to give it to him, even though we've all had our problems I with him. Our picking his nose. 
<laughs> yeah, he has. He oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. I that. He has absolutely been caught. Not to look at him much. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to watch a, a guy pick his nose, but no. especially on live television. But, um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of weird habits with Boone. But I mean, he. I have to give it to him. Despite our problems with him, he is a really he he blows uh, gum bubbles really well. He honestly does. No, he does. I got to give it to him. a lot of money to do that, let me tell you. Yeah, I know. But you know what? Not for nothing. I think he has all those twitches and weirdnesses, even after his uh, the games when they do the reports on him. With him, he's like so, he twitches and so many weird matters. I think it's because he can't say what he wants to say. That's what I think. I think it's frustration. Of course. Yeah, well, the 2023 sucked. There were a lot of sucky moments outside of 2023, too, but... I definitely do think that he is just basically the mouthpiece for the organization. I think everybody feels that way. Um, and I do definitely think that things would be run maybe a little bit differently if he got to do what he truly wanted. Because I don't think, I think that everyone underneath Brian Cashman, to a certain degree, regardless of how much it is, is on a leash of some sort. Mm-hmm. But yep. listen, who the hell knows? We're not, we're not in with the organization. So who knows like the 100% true answers. But you can make your assumptions based on what we watch. And what we watch makes us want to swan dive off a roof most of the time. But nonetheless, like who? I think think you should run for that, for Brian Cashman's position. You would know what to do a heck of a lot more than he does. I mean, especially if I had the resources of the Yankees, like my God, if, if, if number one every year. Well, the best thing to have is a fan running it. George Steinbrenner was a fan. And yes, yes, George had his days where he definitely ran the organization in the ground too with some of his decision-making, but it definitely, even if that's happening, it still provides fans comfort when things are going badly and you could see the owner visibly frustrated and actually, like, you could tell he might be losing sleep over this. Mm-hmm. Something about that just makes you feel better than people just going out there and delivering the casual company line and pretending like they care and you could easily tell that their monotone ass doesn't. Yeah. And it's just insulting to a certain degree to those of us who literally, like, eat sleep and and everything about a certain team and the ones running it don't feel the same so that's why someone like George is so commonly referred to even though I do think some people mention him a little bit too much for a guy who's been gone for almost 15 years now like almost like a get over it sort of a thing it's done with but I do totally understand the people mentioning him because he actually cared he went on interviews telling people I hate to lose Losing drives me crazy, and it keeps me up at night. The way Jeter was. Yeah, that was, that was Jeter's... Uh... I was just going to say, yeah, if Jeter was manager, forget about it. Oh. Yeah, I mean, listen, he... Judge with their mindsets, forget it. Ooh, that would be a beautiful thing one day down the line. Yeah. Down the yeah. I mean, who, who knows if Jeter will ever have a role with the Yankees organization. I do love at least that he's been around more often since oh, leaving so the Marlins. Good. That's but. so good that we're seeing more of him. I'm glad. That's... Yes. Even if he can just like be like a mentor... You know, just have more talks with them and like yeah, guide them in any way. Cashman and just like gag him with some duct tape. God, that physical violence. No, you're good. Right. listen. That's we do know that in the past that Jeter and Cashman have had problems with each other. Jeter was actually open about that in his documentary yeah. that he and Cashman did not always get along. Oh, that'd be so nice if he could be a general manager one day. Can you imagine Jeter being a general manager one day of the New York Yankees? <gasps> I, I think I think the Yankees community would not know what to do with themselves. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Jeter's my favorite Yankee ever. Street naked, we'd be so happy. Yeah, and dancing naked in the fountain. Yes. 
Oh my God. Yeah, that would be great. But my my goodness, we are almost an hour and fifty minutes here. You guys regularly clown on me for how long my episodes have been for so long We're not now. Right now, are we? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys are again. You guys are adding an element to yapping Yankees that has never been. It only took 200 episodes for it to happen. So I'm glad to do it. I hope everybody else out there is enjoying this discussion because nobody else other than me in here has ever taken part in this show with this microphone and had it in front of them. So thank you both for being in here. I love you both to death. Now get it. Now get out. Thanks for having us. Bye, everybody. Keep listening. Bye. All right. Thank you guys. Love you both. All right. So they're they're pe- they're peacing out right now. I'm going to go hang with them in a minute after I wrap up with you guys. Damn. That was fun as hell. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed conducting that. That was a lot of fun. I might do that more often. Who knows? That was a lot of fun. But it was a little hectic. The audio might be a little echoey at times with them, especially because I had to like talk into the microphone myself because it's handheld. I'm like like an announcer in the 1940s. I had to talk into it myself and like hand it off to them almost. Almost like a TV interview. (laughs) So... The microphone I have is really cool, though, but it's just, like, handheld. I could, like, move it as far as the wire will allow me. That goes into my computer. But that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Especially the part where my mom talked about eliminating Brian Cashman. Oh, my God. Uh, She just can't stand him. Obviously, she doesn't actually mean that, obviously. But, you know, she just means, like, there's really no, like, way to get him out of here because Hal is just perfectly content and very comfortable with keeping the man that daddy hired in there. That's what we talk about. We talk about that so often. How often do we talk about that? So many times. So, you know, it just gets everybody crazy where there have been plenty of fireable moments and offenses by Cashman for some time now, and he just stays there with no sign at all of any potential change with him or anybody around him in his brain trust. It's very aggravating, has people very upset, and my mom has been very vocal about that for a while, and she finally was able to come onto the show and show it firsthand. I had to rile her up at least a little bit. I couldn't help myself. But other than that, guys, with both the social media segment and episode 200 overall, that will about do it for the bicentennial episode today. I don't know if you realize, but with both sound effects and having Mom and Vic on and just telling even more jokes than I already do and just trying to make it as entertaining as possible, I really tried to make this as awesome of an episode as possible to celebrate the 200th episode of Yapping Yankees. You heard Mom and Vic say it firsthand. I I seldom talk about myself or the work that I do or, or whatever, but especially when it comes to my content, but I really do work very hard on the show, and that's why when I get the feedback that I do, which is basically more or less all positive, so much positivity when it comes to Yapping Yankees, it means more to me than you could possibly ever know. Because to know that people appreciate your good and hard work, there's almost nothing more rewarding than that. So... I just can't tell you what it means to me to hear that. It's beyond awesome. And I just can't believe we're 200 episodes in. Everything that's happened in baseball, sports overall, the world, regardless of everything I've gotten to mention in these last four plus years, it has been a hell of a ride. And it is nowhere near over yet. One of the social media replies, I can't remember by who specifically, so forgive me for that, but someone said here's to 200 more be pretty incredible to reach 400, something crazy like that, but who knows? But regardless, whether it's to 250, 300, 350, 400, or something beyond that, some other crazy number, the ride isn't over yet. It's been a hell of a ride to this point, but we're still on it. Don't get off yet, because the train is still ongoing, guys. It has been awesome, and I hope it continues to be beyond awesome. 
Anything short of an hour and 50 minutes or so, I would have been surprised because of how much there is to do, how much there is to talk about and celebrate today, but I wouldn't have it any other way other than with all of you amazing people out there listening. But nonetheless, that does do it now for episode 200 of Yapping Yankees and our bicentennial celebration. But before I go, like I've ended the other 199, guys, remember to follow me on all social medias, Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds 97 Be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it is available on. That would be YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four, like you all always do such a great job at doing, my friends. And if you have the time, if you missed any Yapping Yankees episodes in the past, it's inevitable you must have missed at least a couple because there have been so freaking many. Episodes 34 up to episode 200 today, those are all available on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode, going back to day one over four years ago, all the way up to episode 200 today, well, those are all available on SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November the 5th, when I come at you with episode 201 of Yapping Yankees. Pretty awesome to be in the 200s. That is wild. But until then, guys, as I always say, hang in there. Be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, go ahead and kick life's ass this week, and once more, guys, throughout these 200 episodes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot thank you enough for over four years and 200 episodes worth of love and support. And here's to many, many more Yapping Yankees episodes and much, much more content with me and you. And as per usual, we'll keep it going next Sunday. Talk to you then, my friends. Take care, and as always, let's go Yanks. Yanks.